For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of the podcast lead singer syndrome with me your host as always shane tolt how you doing how you feeling are you enjoying your summer oh you bet your ass i am your sweet ass i am enjoying an incredible summer i got back from europe a little while ago it was hot over there very hot and now i'm just enjoying a beautiful not that hot, Canadian summer. It's really, really great. And I hope you are doing the same wherever you are in the world, listening to me talk to other lead singers. And today, we got a good one. We got a different one. Mr. Perry Grip of Nerf Herder is here. They are nerdy. They're a nerdcore band, uh, Oxnard started this scene. A lot of people call it Nardcore. They're from Santa Barbara, California, not too far away. And they're a really interesting band because they started out kind of in the mainstream on a major label doing Weezer-inspired nerd rock. And they had some big mainstream opportunities such as writing the theme song for the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack and also having a pretty big song on MTV. And then they went the indie route and they became aligned with the Fat Records epitaph skate punk scene of the 90s. We get into all that 
and more. It's a really interesting talk with a really interesting guy. You're going to love this one. Before we get into it with Perry, I want to remind you, you can always get in touch with me. My emails are open. I don't know how you could, could close an email. If someone knows how, let me know. But uh, my emails are open. Leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. I respond to many, as many as I can. But I do appreciate your comments, questions, concerns, suggestions. All awesome. And of course, if you want to support this thing, keep it coming at you week after week. I do rely on listener support. Check out leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access that will get you into the all access club for just a few dollars a month you get bonus episodes bonus content access to merchandise and of course an incredible community of my sinners what's up my sinners worldwide 500 strong it's a beautiful thing thank you for all the love all the support Sinnerfest 3 coming up soon can't wait to see all you guys it's going to be such a good time. Once again, the link, leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And while I have your attention, don't forget my band, Silverstein. We're going back on tour with the Amity Affliction, Holding Absence, and UDD Texas. This starts in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona on August 25th, goes all across the United States of America and into Canada. We wrap up the tour in Montreal and Toronto. It's going to be so much fun, such a huge tour, honestly, and it's selling really well. So make sure that you pick up your tickets, head over to vip.silversteinmusic.com. We've got VIP regular tickets. I was going to say and everything in between, but that doesn't make any sense. Uh, we've got VIP and regular tickets. So check it out. Can't wait to see you. It's very, very exciting. And if you're European, we're coming back this fall as well with Comeback Kid and senses fail, so that's going to be amazing as well. Regardless, let's get into this week's episode with Perry Grip of Nerf Herder. Okay, we are, did we, it. are we talking? We did it, All right. and, and you sound you sound great. You looked great All for right. a moment. Oh, thanks. I'll, <laughs> I'll take, take any compliment I can get. Well, Perry, uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. It's so good to have you on the show. I'm here with Perry of Nerf Herder uh, and other things, too, we're going to get into. But this is really awesome, man. I've been a big fan of you guys uh, for a very long time. Uh, so, so thanks for doing this. Oh, thank you. I, it's pleasure to be here. I think I still have my Nerf Herder merch kicking around from high school. I, I never get rid of anything. <laughs> I think it was a blue shirt with orange writing that said Nerf Herder. That sounds right. That's a pretty pretty obscure shirt, but yeah, I think oh, that's yeah? it. Is it worth money? Can I make money on it? No, no, no Nerf Herder stuff is worth money. <laughs> so you can't. Well, you know, I, I know, I, I know where I got it. I remember I was. I'm 41 now. I was in high school and I went to see you guys. Uh, I wasn't particularly open, interested in the headlining band, which was Bloodhound Gang. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And 
and I saw you guys play in Toronto at the Cool House or the Warehouse, whatever it was called at the time. Yeah. It, well, I hope it was a fun show. I'm sure I was probably pretty drunk. <laughs> I think everybody was drunk. Bloodhound Gang was, I mean, it's weird. It seemed like a weird tour because, you know, obviously they're known for being like a funny band and so are you, but it's like different kinds of funny. Like they, they seemed very destructive uh, with their <laughs> yeah. humor and not like fun nerdcore. Like I, I remember the bass player was like full on make, making out with a chick while he was playing on stage. And then they, <laughs> there was a dude that was trying to drink like a case of Dr. Pepper. And he was like, they were trying to get him to not throw up. And then of course he threw up and it was like really messy. Yeah, they had a lot of shtick, but we we loved those guys. We did two tours with them, oh. so we actually <laughs> toured with them a lot. And they were very very nice guys. Their shtick was like uh, sort of like crazy and a little bit scary, but they were super cool and very nice guys. <laughs> we're still friends with. That's great. That's wonderful. Now I, I think my band played a, a festival with them uh, probably a, a lot of years ago now. But I remember they they opened with the. Um, uh, I forget the song "Bad Touch," and they closed oh, yeah. with, and they closed with it, and they played it in the middle. <laughs> that was their big hit. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, if, if you, you, you got to fill the time, I guess somehow. Yeah. Oh man. But but back to back to you guys and kind of your emergence. I I remember uh, like probably most people my age getting into you guys from the hit uh, on up here and on much music in Canada. Of Van Halen, you know, your song Van Halen, which which kind of put you on the map and garnered you a lot of mainstream attention. And it was, I really liked it because it was so different from everything else out there. Like, obviously I knew about Weezer, but then I was also getting into punk rock and all the fat record stuff and Epitaph and all that. And here you guys are sort of this very, very odd man out, you know, on this platform. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were. I, I'm so glad that you heard that song. It was such a bizarre thing because we were just goofballs, like playing in our hometown, and that song really took off. and And we got to go to Toronto, and and it was really exciting. But yeah, we were kind of we were kind of like like a Weezer meets Fat Records kind of thing. Yeah, that was what I thought we sounded like. And you still do, uh, which is which is cool too. You've kind of maintained your 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 sound, uh, but but you know. You guys signed to a major label and then you had another, you know, big mainstream thing you had was the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack song. Sure. You know, all these things were happening. I mean, it was kind of like a big deal, right? I mean, how did it feel at the time? Uh, it felt very, it was unbelievable. I mean, we kind of had like a few months where we were like, everything was going great. But, uh, you know, that stuff is over really fast. Like mm -hmm. the Buffy and the Buffy thing, um, kind of took a while to grow. Like it became a much bigger thing later on, like over the years, but, uh, it was, um, I don't know. It's just one of those lucky weird things. It seemed, it seemed like, um, I think, I think when you have success like that sort of randomly out of nowhere, you think, Oh, this is my whole life is going to be like this from now on. And then it's, it's over in a few months and you're like, Oh, remember I did that thing that was popular and now it's not. <laughs> it is, it is random. Um, you know, like, I mean, obviously a different level, but it's kind of like how Primus had the, the South park theme song, which I guess yeah. from, we used to have the same manager and like the amount of money they make on that song is like 
absurd. Um, you know, but it yeah. is, it's just one of those random things. But, you know, you at the time, I mean, you guys are from Santa Barbara. You're not like right in the film industry in LA or anything. How did that come to be with this, the Buffy thing? So um, what happened was a guy who was worked for, uh, worked for um, my records that put out our, our record first record, Joey Capes oh, I, record label. I know Joey very our, well. Yeah. So, so our buddy, Marco, uh, yeah, Marco, Marco 72. Yeah. yeah. Everyone knows Marco. <laughs> he was friends with, uh, this girl named Lisa Raphael and he gave her, she's an actress in LA and he gave her our record and she was friends with Allison Hannigan and they just started listening to it. And Allison Hannigan really liked it. They would listen to the record on the set of, um, Buffy while they were filming it. And none of, they were all kind of unknown except for Sarah Michelle Geller. Right. And so, um, and they would come see us. Like we would play in LA at the Viper room or something and the cast would be there and Joss Whedon would be there. Um, and so he, they, when they needed a theme song, they, uh, they just asked a bunch of bands they were friends with to come up with ideas and they liked, they liked a song we gave them and, and, uh, they were, it was crazy. I mean, it's just like sort of, uh, I mean, we didn't try hard at all <laughs> to get that. I mean, it just sort of happened. Yeah, you know, obviously that show ended up having such a huge cult following, you know. But what, what do you think that was the, about the song, the theme song that resonated so much with people? Because people still talk about how it's like, people are like, oh, it's one of the greatest TV theme songs ever. And I like it because I like punk rock. And it has like a cool kind of dark tone to it. But it's pretty simple, you know. Yeah, I guess it's just simple, the energy of it. Um, it just is like kind of fast. And so I don't know. I can't explain it. I mean, yeah. it's just also the show is a great show. I mean, it really, yeah. that's kind of lucky because you could, you could be, uh, do the theme song for a show, which isn't popular. And I've certainly done that too. And then you <laughs> get less, uh, less people remember it. <laughs> that's right. Obviously, obviously, uh, amazing. Well, so you guys have this theme song thing. You've got a song kicking around on MTV and, uh, you know, all this stuff is happening and you sign to arrest Arista records, major label, but then something happens. And as the story goes, and I, I'm kind of just going with whatever I've researched speculation, maybe you guys wanted out and then you ended up deciding to stay with an indie and signing to uh fat mike's well his other label honest dons yeah uh, yeah that's true and and <clears throat> saying we wanted out is sort of like um there was it was just this period of time where labels had gone nuts signing wacko bands and um like it was clear that a lot of the bands that got signed their records were never going to come out and um right they were going to get dropped and we were like, had pitched all these songs to, to, uh, Arista and they, they didn't like them. And we're like, Oh wow, we're going to get, it's sort of like when you know, your girlfriend's going to break up with you and you sort of do a preemptive, we <laughs> yeah. sort of did that. Right. And, um, I, I really liked Arista and, and it was neat being, it was like a great experience. I wouldn't trade that for the, for the world. Uh, being signed to them, but um, it, we thought, oh, we could. It would be much easier for us if we were on Fat Records, and because we're friends with those guys, and it just sort of makes more sense with our our music. And so uh, we asked to get off of the label. And the thing was, the guy who ran that label and owned it was a guy named Cl Clive Davis, who's like a super famous 
yeah. record industry guy. There's movies about him and books and stuff. Yeah. And he, uh, he was really awesome. And he, you know, when we, when it came time, when we asked to get off, he said, Hey, well, I want to talk to Perry in person or over the phone before, just to make sure this is what he wants. And so I talked to Clive Davis about it and he was like, well, you know, we just hope everything's cool with you guys. And, and, uh, it was, it was neat actually, because they could have been kind of jerks about it, but they, uh, it was cool. And it was, it was neat that he reached out and, and talked to me about it. So it is. that's one of the things I remember. Yeah. And then, and then of course, of course, Going to Honest Dawn's, which was like sort of like the B, like it wasn't as cool as Fat Records. Yeah. I understood why we went there, but it was just because we we're like more poppy. But um, it was a little bit like, hey, we we need to uh, to you know, but it, but it turned out fine, it turned out great, and we still working with Fat Records, yeah. so it was, it was terrific. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, I remember Honest Dawn's really well because they had they had this compilation. I, I all I remember about it was like I think it was like a dude and there was like a drink cart on it with like a whole bunch of liquor bottles. I don't know if you remember this compilation. It, like everybody had it. They were like giving it away at Warp Tour for free uh-huh. or whatever. But I never understood and I still don't understand what the point of Honest Dawn's was because obviously Fat Records was huge at that time with um I mean they weren't even putting No Effects records out yet, but like Lagwagon and Strung Out and and uh, no use for a name and uh, high standard and all that. And then there was Honest Dawn's, which had like Diesel Boy and Chicks Dig It and I think Riverdale's or something. But it was just weird. I just didn't understand what the point of the other label was. I think the I think there was an internal thing where the guy Mark Tomo was. It was kind of his, his label that he was in charge of. It was like a. Uh, um, I think it was just like a little. I don't know. It it. It didn't make sense. I mean, I think at the time fat was so big, they probably thought, oh, we'll diversify and kind of do. Um, I mean, if they were probably trying to keep the fat label really pure to what that sound was. Okay. And, and, and the pop punk, more pop punk stuff. I mean, this is my assumption. I never talked to them about it. Yeah. Yeah. I never asked anyone about it, but um, it was, it was fine. It was like being on the same label in a lot of ways. Right. I always wondered about that, like my whole life, and I was like, "Well, now I have an opportunity to actually ask somebody that was that was on the label." Uh, you know, um, it was interesting too. I'm like looking at the roster now, pulling it up, and like I see Mad Caddies put out, I guess their first album on there, and then they went on to be on Fat Records. Yeah, you know, and obviously Mad Caddies became a pretty big band. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 kind of a weird thing. Those guys, we totally know because they're from our same area, okay. and. Uh, they used to come see uh, Nerf Herder all the time when they were really like younger. I mean, they were young anyway. We were super old, but <laughs> but uh, I remember them coming to see us. <laughs> that rules. That rules, man. Okay. Well, so part of the reason we're talking is you guys have a new release out. Well, kind of a new release. Your reissue of your third album, American Cheese. And, you know, it's your third record. It came out in 2002. Mm-hmm. Is this one being focused on because you guys feel like it's kind of your breakthrough album or your best album as opposed to, you know, how to meet, how to meet girls? Um, absolutely not. No, it's just a <laughs> random, I do. I think I personally prefer it to, to how to meet girls, but it's just, was like a random thing. Like, Oh, the 20 years coming up. Let's. Ah. And so we talked to fat about it and we were just like, um, it was just like, it's just something to do and like have, you know, there were a lot of outtakes. 
I think more, uh, well, there's a ton of outtakes from how to meet girls too, but, um, there was just like, I don't know, it was just something to do. Sort of like, Oh, Hey, there's the, like Steve, the drummer, uh, he just noticed that like, Oh, Hey, the 20 year anniversary is coming up. Maybe they'll, and, and another thing about American cheese is that, um, it was really hard to find on vinyl. Like I didn't oh, even yeah. have a copy of it on vinyl. Right. I think Steve had one copy. And so we kind of wanted to have copies to, to give out to people. So, um, that was part of it, I guess. Yeah. Well, it also marked the end of the first era of the band, right? I mean, at, right after American yeah. Cheese came out, you guys broke up. Uh, as the story goes, you were going to quit music completely and sell all your gear, uh, before finding your your footing in doing jingles and and that kind of line of work, which you I th- think you still do today. Oh yeah, no, it's paid, it's been great, and I'm like I do terrific with that. So I'm so that's a different story, but um, yeah, we it was kind of the end of that era of of Nerf Herder. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what happened. You did a you did great research. <laughs> Well, we're flying. We're flying through this, man. Um, so elaborate on that, though. I mean, when when the band, like, like, why did the why do bands break up? Right? Like, what was going on at the time? Was it just you guys were like burnt out, no money? Um, you know what I mean? What what was it? Because it can be a combination of things. Well, it was a couple of things. The main thing was just like some uh personal personality conflicts within the band made it kind of un not very fun yeah and that combined with the like oh this kind of music is less popular we're getting less we're kind of going backwards in terms of making a living at this and this is a good time to to get out um and uh and you know, we all had other stuff we were doing. So it just seemed, um, it just seemed like a good time. I don't regret that at all. I think it's, it was great. I'm happy about the record and uh, it was a good time to get out. Yeah, absolutely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So, uh, for, from what I researched, you started doing jingles. You weren't really sure about it, but one of your first ones was, do you like waffles, which somehow everyone knows, but I didn't know until literally today that you are the man behind cat flushing a toilet. Yeah, cat flushing a toilet. <laughs> That's that my pays, favorite. That pays, <laughs> that pays for a lot of stuff for me. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's great. Well, tell me what was going through your through your uh, mind when you wrote "Cat Flushing a Toilet." Like, tell me about the inspiration. Oh, it's, it was easy. <laughs> so, so in in two thousand eight, I started doing. Um, so 
with Do You Like Waffles, I started getting work doing jingles and TV stuff. And I thought, I'm just going to write a song a week and put it up on my website. And that'll be like sort of practice for doing whatever dumb thing I'm going to do. And also kind of advertise my ability to do music. And uh, so I, I would, early on, I started doing like songs to go along with um, YouTube videos. I had a song right. called Hamster on a Piano, um, Eating Popcorn. It was a huge, huge, like it was like one of the biggest viral videos of that year. Uh, all kinds of crazy stuff happened with that. But then I did Cat Flushing a Toilet, and that was just based on videos of cats flushing toilets, which are really <laughs> awesome to watch. Yeah. You never get tired of watching that. <laughs> but um, anyway, and that was just like a thing. I was doing these songs every week, and... Uh, and that kind of led to everything for me, actually. So Cat Flushing a Toilet was, uh, and it's still a very popular song. It's more popular now than ever. Kids bug their parents with it, I'm sure. But it uh, it's, gets played a lot. So do you have a comedic background? Or are you just a funny guy? Like, t- talk to me about your kind of early life. Like, were you in high school? Were you like a class clown kind of guy? Or are you kind of more of a... Uh, n- serious nerd with a, like kind of a fun side. Like, what's where does this all stem from in your personality? I would call myself like an introverted weirdo, but I was. Uh, <laughs> and we have the Nerdfurter has a song "Born Weird" that you probably heard. Yeah, yeah. Weird, I don't know if you did Al Weird Al plays on that sort of describes it. But um, yeah, I was, and I, but I listened to Doctor Demento, and it just seemed natural to have like. I guess, I guess one thing that really happened was that um, when I started playing music, I really uh, wanted to be taken seriously. And so my band with guys from high school, our songs were like, not funny. They were not funny at all. And, and I remember playing, people didn't like our band. We just weren't popular. But I remember one time we were playing and I just started saying funny stuff and people really reacted to that. And I thought, oh this is a way to do this. And so then, you know, the songs started, I started, you know, that that's like the person, the personality that I can project is that being funny is, was what connects with people. So it's kind of a learning thing through experience. Um, it, it is, that's, I guess how you learn how you, what, who you are as you get up in front of people and, and if they like it, then uh, that's, that's your ticket. Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously the comparisons to Weezer are very appropriate and you guys have not shied away from it. Obviously you have the song we opened for Weezer, which is which is terrific. And and what I love about that song too is it's a great snapshot of not just that time in your career, but also it's a, kind of a good oral history of Weezer. Oh sure. <laughs> Cuz I I, re- I remember Pinkerton coming out and uh I was in I think I was in the ninth or 10th grade, 10th grade I think. And my friends went to the record store like at lunch to go get the CD and brought it back. And, you know, people were like skipping class to listen to it. Everyone was so excited for Pinkerton. And I remember at the end of school, people in the hallway crying because the record was so bad. (laughs) And I was like, and, and I hadn't even heard it yet. And I was like, oh, no, it's so bad. And. Of course, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I was like, "Well, I don't know. I kind of like some of these songs, but it's I understand it's different. It's weird, but I yeah. love that you touch on that, you know, in the in the song." Yeah, I mean, I love that record, but we were on that tour, and you could just feel that people didn't like the record, and so it was uh, it was just kind of in the air of that tour. Um, 
Again, I wouldn't trade that for the world. That was such a great experience. It was so fun. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, obviously, like, this is the band that had obviously like a huge amount of inspiration. You know, in fact, I remember some, one of my friends when Van Halen came out, they were like, oh, they're just doing the Weezer in the garage thing with a different band. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, kind of like you got a point there. Yeah. But it's a little different. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> right on, man. Um, uh, I have a question for you, actually. This, this may be somewhat controversial and you can say no comment if you don't want to. I had a, I won't name the band. They went on tour opening for Weezer. Uh-huh. They were told they were not allowed to make eye contact with Rivers Cuomo. Uh-huh. They also told me that they used to load Rivers in, in his own human-sized road case. He would get in a road case and it had a little slot that he could look through and they would take him around the venue so he, he could like creepily look at people. Can you confirm or deny this rumor? <laughs> well, that was no, that it wasn't like that at all. They were just regular dudes when we, uh, when we toured with them. <laughs> okay. So I didn't see that. That's well, this was a little later on though. This was probably post green album, maybe, you know, around Maladroy or whatever album came out then. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we, um, played with them before the green album, like kind of their second, Mm-hmm. When they when they decided to come back and start playing again, Rivers called me and was like, "Hey, Perry, we're going to start playing again." And I was like, "Wow, that's amazing!" And um, he said, oh, "We want to play the show with you guys. Can you set one up in Santa Barbara?" So we played a bunch of shows with them before the Green Album came out. And uh, he was just a you know he he's like a lot of singer people. He's a little. Um, you know, maybe introverted or something like that, but uh, it was, uh, it was fun. It was, it was interesting thing, but he, he definitely didn't, I'm going to, I'm going to write this down because I definitely want to be wheeled around in a box with a slot in it. (laughs) Just to look at people. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I want to do that. I mean, it might be true. It's hard to make that up. It sounds, it sounds far fetched and it seems like there would be a video of it or something. Why are they wheeling this box around? with a slot from uh that seems smart i don't yeah. i'm not going to believe that unless i see a picture of him getting into the box Maybe. and uh, getting like, wheeled around this is like this <laughs> it's is a great be- story though well this is before you know everyone had a camera in their pocket too you know so yeah i, I guess know. you're right i don't know but hey uh i have no idea i'm sorry i'm sorry i can't verify that <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's totally fine so um you guys put out records uh, lately about every eight years. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if, we're due. Yeah. You guys have to, you guys go through the whole undergrad law school. You guys have like a whole, you know, uh, six figure career you have to get through to make a record. Now, 2024, that, that will be the next one. Do you think you guys are going to be on pace for that? Um, probably hoping it's earlier cause we've recorded a bunch of tracks. So we have a ton of songs recorded. We just have to get them like sung and lyrics written and uh and uh put together so i i would love to have one out early next year but who knows can you leak uh leak a title or leak an idea of something i'm I'm sure you write songs all the time but one of my favorite things is when you guys put out a new record just looking through all the titles of the songs before i listen to them and going i wonder what that's about (laughs) 
Well, um, we have one song that's that's done that I could send you, actually. It's oh, called shit. Big Guy. Big Guy. And we actually sent it out to people when we canceled our... Uh, we were doing like a... Going to do like a stage it, but we canceled it. And so we sent it to all the people who had signed up. But that's... Uh, it's just about uh, being a big guy, like eating a lot of food. But um, <laughs> we... Uh, it, it's, it's sort of silly. But um, we have a song called The Wizard and His Mom. It's about the wizard and his mom. And then um, okay. that was inspired by a, uh, we, when last time we played in Portland, Maine, Portland, Maine, there was a, like a cosplay convention going on. And this wizard was like hanging out in the, uh, in the uh, lobby of the hotel. And then this, <laughs> his mom drove up in a, in a Subaru and picked him up. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, that's neat. Wizard and his mom. <laughs> that reminds me of um, that movie. What is it? Role Models uh, with <laughs> with Stif- Stifler's uh, Stifler. I don't know his real name. And uh, Paul Rudd. That's a great movie. It's a great comedy. I never saw it. I'll have to. It's, I'll have to watch it's, that. It's, it's it's surprisingly holds up. Well, you also have a new song. We all got COVID, which is very good and very true. Um, tell me about that story. And also, you mentioned chicks dig it in this song, which I believe we already talked about. And yeah, it made me remember the short music for short people uh, compilation where you and Chicks Diggit have two of the most memorable songs on that thing. It was a very great. I mean, that record's great. Yeah, it's a great record. Um, but Chicks Diggit, they're awesome. We'd never played with them before. I'd never met them before, but we uh, we played with them in Portland and Seattle, and that's when we got COVID. So that's why we mentioned them in the song. But they were awesome, and they're like such a great band. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're amazing. You probably have. I have. I mean, they're from Western Canada. We're from, you know, Toronto area. But no, no, I've I've seen them play a bunch of times, met them before. And actually, my band covered their Quit Your, the Quit Your Jobs short song before. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. covered hey, it. So, hey, what is, what is your band? We're called... Because Sil- you keep mentioning... Yeah, we're called Silverstein. Silverstein. I've heard of you guys. I'm totally old and out of it, so I haven't can't even remember what i've heard so i've I've are you guys still touring and stuff like that we yes we are we are oh well maybe we'll bump into you at some point it would be it would be wonderful we'd love to we would love to love to come to to uh canada and play there because it was we've always had great fun shows there and people are super nice and you guys have that free health care we want to take advantage of while we're there yeah we could probably hook you up i mean usually like they don't really ask if you just say yeah i'm american they go ooh, and then they say it's fine just come on come on in we'll take care of you guys oh that's awesome but you know i i will say you know fat records punk or, or epitaph punk skate punk whatever you want to call it that scene which you know had its day in the sun you know around when you guys were on honest dawns you know in the the mid to late 90s that music is still very very popular in canada uh especially in quebec i mean you guys could come up here and play to really big crowds you know like Lagwagon comes up here all the time and is is you know drawing huge crowds just like the same as the late 90s we would love to come up there. I have to say, any, any place Nerf Herder plays, like 100 people show up. That's just the, the rule of thumb. <laughs> but we'd, be, we'd love to come up there and play, uh, eat some poutine and, yeah. and play for 100 people. It'd be great. You're going to play for a lot more than 100 people uh, up here in Canada. I guarantee it. You, you guys are overdue to come back. So uh, please, please come up. Are you in Montreal? Where are you based? I'm Toronto. Toronto, Toronto. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. You mentioned that. Yeah. Toronto's awesome. 
Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic city, a huge city. Lots going on. Traffic sucks, though. That's one thing they got to uh, figure out. But hey, I would take public transit. Is there a subway? Yeah, there's a, the subway. Kind of isn't very good. It's they built two lines very close to each other, and they don't really go anywhere you want to go. Uh, so uh-huh. it's kind of a poor design. Obviously, it's an old design because the the city expanded kind of not the way the subway expanded. So yeah, you know what can you do? I still want to come there. So there's great food. Come hang, come hang. We'd love to have you. And uh, I hope you guys are going to plan another tour soon and a new record. We all got COVID is a great song, but we need we need more Nerf Herder music. All right, thank you so much. Thanks again for having me on your your show. I'm very. Uh, Happy to be here, and I love talking, so uh, so this is very fun for me. Awesome, Perry. Well, all the best with everything you guys got coming up. Uh, anything to tell the people before I let you go? Uh, nope, I've got nothing to sell. So just have a good day and uh, wonderful, and uh, drink a lot of water. <laughs> Will do. All right, man. All the best, Perry. All right, take care. Bye. Thanks, man. So there it is with Perry Grip of Nerf Herder. Wow, we flew through that one. Lots of information in a very short time. (laughs) Well, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Definitely take a look at Nerf Herder's career because they have done some really interesting stuff, whether it's their breakthrough song, Van Halen, whether it's the Buffy the Vampire Slayer soundtrack, whether it's their song, We Opened for Weezer, which is terrific, or whether it's their new song, which I'm going to play in just a few minutes. We all got covid They're up to some really, really great things. Thank you again for tuning in. I will be back again with new podcast episode next week. And of course, Mike and I will be back counting down all the new music on New Noise, which is coming back at you. I know you've missed Mike. He's missed you too. So make sure you're tuned in to that. Anyway, I will leave you with a tune. We all got COVID. Here it is. Nerf Herder on Lee Singer Syndrome. Two was a lot of fun. Now I'm lying in bed with a fever of 101. We all got COVID. Yeah, we all got COVID. We all got sick. We all got COVID. Doing the Pacific Northwest. I guess our safety hygiene wasn't the best. We all got COVID. Yeah, we all got COVID, we all got sick, we all got COVID The weekend was a total blast, a total blast I never thought to wear a mask, no mask Shaking hands and signing autographs It all seems kind of funny, but my chest hurts when I Revenge for a stupid song about their town We all got COVID Yeah, we all got COVID We all got sick We all got COVID We were playing with a great band called Jim it From Canada Know those guys, they never did get it Free healthcare Memphis Cup is really murder Gonna change our band name to Germer
Now my head is exploding and I'm coughing up a lung We all got COVID Yeah, we all got COVID We all got sick We all got COVID Yeah, we all got sick We all got COVID Yeah, we all got sick We all got COVID Yeah, we all got sick We all got COVID Yeah, we all got sick We all got COVID Except for me